probably looking at the title of this podcast and wondering why the hell it took so long to do my top 10 of 2016 list. Well, there's a couple reasons. There are so many movies, and the Oscar nominations did not help. There were so many movies that I just failed to see, whether it be based on laziness or work or the fact that I had other things going on or the fact that some of these movies like the Oscar nominated films aren't really available in my area at least in a convenient way so there are so many movies that I missed I was holding out as long as I could before this list became irrelevant I probably even surpassed that deadline but um, but anyway, this was also just a fun excuse because I'm joined by Phil Wilson. Phil is someone who has been referenced or alluded to on Sight and Sound several times. He was my co-host on our previous podcast called Film Beef, where we reviewed movies and did things like this. And it was just really, really awesome to podcast with him again and to uh, to do this. Because this is obviously, everyone likes making these types of lists. So uh, I had a good time uh, coming together with Phil and accomplishing that. I don't really have to preface this anymore. I'll explain it further. And it's, well, it's self-explanatory to begin with. But but without further ado, here is our, uh, both of our lists of our top 10 movies of 2016. Thanks. Have you noticed that they got rid of the Blu-ray bin at Walmart? I did not notice that. I know they've got like the $3 DVDs or whatever. They just completely got rid of that full Blu-ray bin. Why? Like that doesn't exist. I have no idea. You would think they'd get rid of the DVD bin first. Yeah, exactly. But like it, it's been condensed to essentially being like an end cap of just like, you know, five movies and then like five rows. So like 25 movies and they're all movies that I own or like I'm trying to think of an example. The Darkest Hour. <laughs> Remember that Emil Hirsch <laughs> yeah, yeah. movie? It's all, the, it's the like Russian aliens. Those type of movies. I'm, I'm just never gonna buy it's like I'm never gonna buy a Blu-ray from Walmart again because of that. I haven't bought a Blu-ray in a hot minute. Because you stopped buying movies or because you're digital? Um I just haven't bought a movie in forever. Like I just stream it. Go on Voodoo or something. Right. I never buy it. For those of you that are curious, this is Phil Wilson. Hello. Well, welcome to Sight and Sound, my friend. Is this the first time you've been on? Uh, Yes. Yeah. It's the first time on here. So happy this, to be here. This is a Sight and Sound movie episode. The reason why Phil is doing this, well, there's a, there's a few reasons why, why Phil is doing this. For one, we had a little old podcast together called Film Beef. So this is the return of Snelling and Phil talking movies. Uh, so I... I should have opened. I should have waited to open my Lacroix. That way, we could have uh, popped <laughs> bottles here. And I would have popped my cheer wine I, from the cookout. Yeah, I was gonna say you yeah. got your own drink. I brought you a Lacroix, <laughs> but I saw you walk in with a drink. So I is that a mandatory to- thing? Being a part of this podcast, you just have to drink a Lacroix <laughs> while you're recording. <laughs> I feel like Jay probably made that rule, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I. Uh, you kind of, with context, put that together without being told, because, you know, I didn't start drinking LaCroix until after I started hanging out with Jay, so <laughs> it, <laughs> you're picking up on things that most people don't get to pick up on. I bought a 12-pack of orange LaCroix. Uh, prob- <laughs> Do those exist? I thought they were only eight. Uh, Where'd I, you get I, that? I don't know. I, I got it from uh, Target. Okay. But well, maybe they do have 12 there. I've had it for... I don't know, probably like four months, and I haven't completely finished it the yet. The same 12-pack? So. Yeah, yeah. The thing about the flavors of LaCroix 
it's only enough to notice a difference to smell it. Like, when I get a coconut LaCroix, I don't like coconut in general, but I can get a coconut LaCroix because when I open that can, I'm only going to smell coconut. When it comes down to it, they all taste the same to me. Yeah, try that uh, passion fruit one. I have like that. A, it's a donkey kick to the teeth. That's what that is. <laughs> it's the worst. Just that one? Um, I mean, there's a couple that are pretty bad. That's the one that stands out. Interesting. In general, it's not that great. <laughs> the, uh, the I want to s- like it so I can be cool. But uh, well, when, if you get yeah. done with that drink right there, feel free to come up here and grab this Lacroix. It's in here for you. It might <laughs> okay. not be as cold as I had intended, but um, the second reason why you're here is because I think our last episode of Film Beef was actually a version of this before the summer movies. And I went uh, back. Yeah, I think you're right. I went back and listened to it, and I had a lot of fun. So I'm stupid excited to uh, to get started here. Um, and the the third reason is just because we haven't done a movie episode of Sight and Sound in forever, or at least it feels like it. I, I think reviewing Rogue One a month ago, and we've sort of been directing our attention to TV and music for the most part. But anyway, uh, I'm excited to talk movies uh, with you, Phil. And we're just going to get right into it. I want to do our top five worst movies of the year. And I'll, you can tell me if you want to go first or not, but one of us will just read our entire list of okay. five and then we'll bounce to the other person. And when we get to our top 10 best movies of 2016, we're going to uh, do it Collider Top 10 style. And for those of you who don't know, Collider Top 10 was a show uh, that used to be on Collider and they would basically do what we're doing here um shout out to john roca there you go the outlaw friend of film beef john yeah roca. there you go and uh anyway so we're gonna basically lay it out for you in that way so phil remind the people if you can how, how does that work exactly <laughs> are you trying to get me to do what matt nose does <laughs> um, shout out to matt nose but no it's yeah just... I, d- I don't have it memorized but no it's uh, i share my bottom three you share your bottom three and no, bottom five. Oh, sorry. Bottom five. And then we do... Okay, I don't remember. <laughs> we, we do two at a time, right? At some point? No, it's... I All think right. we do... I think we do bottom five. And then in our top five, we alternate back and forth. Isn't that it? I'm not sure. Let's yeah, just, sure, let's just do that. Let's just do that. Okay, so what... <laughs> And, uh, yeah, you'll read your bottom five one by one, and I'll read my bottom five one by one, and then we'll go back and forth the top five. I think that's how they do it. Why yeah. did that? That just totally left my mind. And it has not been long at all. I, I just did this, uh, like, a couple of months ago. So I don't know why I just escaped. I, my I did it, like, two weeks ago with Jake. So. What's, what's happening with us? <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay. And of course, uh, there will be punting, which is essentially if someone, uh, at the beginning of the show mentions a movie that someone will bring up later, we just punt the conversation to happen later on in the show. If you didn't understand what I just said, you'll grasp the concept of it once we actually do it. So, uh, let's do our top five worst movies. These are the movies that we, the five wretched, horrible excuses (laughs) for films in 2016, um, I, I'm really excited to hear yours, and I don't think my list, we did this on the summer show, I don't think my list has changed at all, uh, which is interesting. But anyway, do you um, want to go first, yeah, or do you I, want me to go first? Uh, I'll go ahead and go first. Right. Um, so I'm going to go the the fifth worst to the absolute worst. Uh, 
You want me to just rattle them off quick fire to you, and then we'll discuss them? Uh, you you want to go one by one? Just do one by one, and we'll okay. see if we're going to punt. All right. Uh, the fifth worst movie of 2016, and God, there were a lot of them. Um, Hail Caesar. <laughs> That's my number five. <laughs> that is my number five. There we go. So, yeah, uh, the Coen brothers blew it on this one. It just... I don't even know what exactly was going on. I don't know why I should have cared about the movie at all. Uh, the only good performance but was by uh, the new Han Solo, which his name escapes me at the moment. Alden Ehrenreich. There we go. A- out of a star-studded cast, this random guy was the only one that did anything worthwhile. <laughs> and just like... I, it was just so bad. Like I, <laughs> It is bad, yeah. I don't understand how someone can watch that and be like, yeah, that's great. 80% or whatever on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, and no. No, it's not good. It's it's not a good Coen Brothers movie. Um, they tried to do the love letter thing. Thankfully, most of this has escaped me because it's almost been a complete year since we've seen it. Uh, but I, I remember just not caring about any of it and none of it really just feeling like it was going anywhere. I don't know. Yeah, and it was advertised as something else entirely, um, and uh, and what we actually got was just some weird old school Hollywood thing. Um, <laughs> just not my cup of tea. It's I a guess. system of a down song. Yeah, <laughs> old school Hollywood baseball. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's my number five. <laughs> okay, number four? Uh, my number four is the Secret Life of Pets. Your, I think your list is going to be identical. Is that your number four? No, I I didn't ever saw the film. Okay. Uh, Yeah, The Secret Life of Pets is... uh, (laughs) Most kids' movies nowadays are meant for adults, too, uh, as you may see in my top ten. We'll we'll touch on that later. Um, The Secret Life of Pets is not that. It's meant for the uh, ADD kid that needs bright flashing lights uh, to keep his attention and loud noises. Phil taking shots at ADHD kids. Yeah, take that kids that need medication uh <laughs> but no it's there's literally no substance at all to it it's just noise and light that is all the, <laughs> it, it's isn't there nothing isn't there an actual shot of kevin hart's rabbit pooping yes wow yes. that's that's what happens there okay uh otherwise it's just a bunch of yelling and hijinks just it's it's for kids. What, I'm, Josh I'm not Gad d- direct this movie. That's what he thinks is funny. So yeah, <laughs> he is a director and producer. <laughs> he did camera work on it too. Was he was he in this movie for some reason? I feel like he was in it. I don't think so. Okay, I'll I'll look that up. Poor Louis C.K. Yeah, he he did fine, but otherwise there's just nothing there. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, so that was the fourth worst I saw. What's your number three? Uh, my number three is the BFG. That is also my number three. <laughs> Wait, what was your number four? I you're doing your five and I'm doing my five. Oh my four. bad, Jeez. I'm I, just I'm just throwing them out. I'll because never figure I don't out have, the order. All right, I, I don't number have to three, talk about them. The BFG has the worst scene of 2016 <laughs> with everything involving the Queen of England yeah. and the farting. A scene. That's a sequence. That's an act se- of the film. What, <laughs> All of it's horrible. All right, the the first twenty minutes, really good. Like we jump right into giant world. We're we're moving. We're we're not messing around with this kid at the orphanage, and then it just sucks. I, I cannot believe that 
the BFG was a book that I read growing up. Steven Spielberg is my favorite director. Um, even though I wasn't, I was a little down on Mark Rylance winning over Stallone last year. Um, but I was excited Nonsense. to see. I was excited to see what they could do with the motion capture because I thought Adventures of Tintin was extremely underrated uh, when Spielberg did it last time. Um, this this movie was boring. Um, I didn't think it was very clever at all. It was annoying. I I honestly wanted to leave the theater. Me too. Because I just did not care about any of it. Um, and usually I'm kind of a sucker for this type of film. Like a, another film in the same vein that came out was Peach Dragon. And I was a big fan of Peach Dragon. Much better movie. Um, like you said, everything that happened in London, I mean, I felt like that was a totally different movie. And I, I hated every bit of it. I, just, I can't believe I'm saying I hate the BFG. Yeah, and I mean, there's only like two scenes or sequences that I can think of that really stand out to me as being, you know, good, and that's the initial 20 minutes, like I said, and then the, uh, I guess, the dream world type sequence, which I I remember from our review, you didn't care for it that much, but uh, I mean, overall, it just wasn't that great of a movie. Which is really disappointing, and that might be something to there might be something to it there because we expected greatness out of Spielberg, right? But also, I thought Mark Rylance did a pretty good job. Um, although I did see something around Christmas time, it was like an ad on Facebook, and it said something like "Have a crumb diddly Christmas," or you know how he talks all stupid, uh. and it made me angry. <laughs> so maybe maybe I don't like his performance. <laughs> I, I read it and like closed out of Facebook. <laughs> I'm done. When you when you have kids, uh, like in ten years, your kid's gonna be old enough and find this movie, and you're gonna get so pissed. Yeah, no. like this and Secret Life of Pets, and you're gonna have flashbacks to the year of 2016 where you have to relive these things all over again. God, I, I hope not. Maybe I'll get them hooked on you know Tarantino or something at, at there, a young age. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Your eight-year-old kid watching uh, Kill Bill. That'd be good. Yeah. Uh, So the second worst movie of 2016 is Allegiant, uh, the third movie in the Divergent series. Punt. (laughs) All right. (laughs) And my number one, High Rise. Um, Wow. I don't remember you hating on it that much. That movie is a travesty. (laughs) It It, does suck. uh, (laughs) very quickly into the movie i was like why am i watching this and that trailer what was so interesting yeah so intriguing and i mean like tom hillston I, I was like man he could do no wrong he was great as loki and then whatever that was supposed to be <laughs> i mean i ha- it's just nonsense it's pretentious and weird and just like artsy for the sake of being artsy and there's like no story structure, I don't feel like. There's so not. I never really knew what was going like, on. do you remember that movie ending? Uh, no. Like, isn't that a weird feeling? Like, I don't... I'm not really asking... I guess I could. Do you remember how that movie ended? But I'm asking you, do you remember that movie ending? Like, do you ever <laughs> remember it feeling like it was climaxing, getting to this point, and then it wraps it up and there's a conclusion with a bow on it and credits in? I'm saying that I don't even remember that happening. No, it didn't. And, I mean, I was so checked out by that point, too. Like, <laughs> I was laughing at how bad it was. Yeah. It, it was just an awful, awful movie. Anyway. Let's get to my five. You pretty much covered uh, You covered about half of my list. My number five was Hell Caesar. My number four was Suicide Squad. 
Wow. The more the more time goes by, the more I think that is a pile of shit. Wow. I like I think it's the worst superhero movie of the year. Um it's just there's nothing I like about that movie, I don't think. I don't think there's anything I like about it. There's a It, it is really stupid in retrospect. There right? is a a scene I like some stuff with Harley Quinn. I liked the one Batman scene, but it's glaringly obvious that that could have been better because you had the Batman, you had Batman and Joker in one scene for the very first time in the DCEU, and they don't even acknowledge each other. Probably, arguably, the biggest missed opportunity so far out of any of the DCEU. The movies. Joker, Joker and Batman, Joker. Meet, like meeting each other without saying anything to each other. Yeah, just stupid. Um, I just don't care. I I don't ever want to see that movie again. I probably will. Because there will be one day where, like Justice League, we're anticipating Justice League. You want to go back and watch? Man, what a horrible marathon! By the way, <laughs> like we ever get Can to? Can you a, think of a worse marathon off the top of your head other than like, Divergent? If you want to anticipate a Justice League or any big DCEU movie, and you want to watch the movies that build up to it, that is an agonizing marathon. Full what of a disappointment! What a horrible list of films. And just so super long movies, too. That's yeah. <laughs> probably the worst part about it. Yeah. Um, my number three was BFG. My number two is Purge Election Year. I never saw that. It is awful. I avoided it, actually, because of how much you, <laughs> you hated it. Oh, my God. It was my number one until I remembered my number one. I mean, I hated pretty much everything about this movie. Um, the characters were just really stupid, and they were, like, heightened, exaggerated stereotypes. Uh, which sucks for certain races. <laughs> um, it just it wasn't really that. It wasn't nearly as engaging as uh, the the second one. I can't, Anarchy, the Purge Anarchy, and I, I actually liked that movie. I thought it was pretty fun. I like it a whole lot. I actually like the first Purge too, and not a lot of people like that. Same so, here. Uh, I really love that concept, that premise in general. So I was totally on board, but it just fell so far. Um, hated it. Hated hated being there. So stupid. Number one's Allegiant. <laughs> Alright, let's hear it. Go on a rant. I think I remember texting you, like, halfway through the movie, just saying, can I leave? Can I leave? Like, because we were gonna, we're watching it to review the movie on Film Beef. So it's like, you have to, you have to sit there so you know what you're talking about. I've never, ever wanted to leave a movie more. Um, Even more than Jupiter Ascending? You actually got up and left. I actually that got movie. up and left. <laughs> You're right. I'm, okay, of this year. Of this year's right, films. Fair enough. This, this was the Jupiter Ascending of this of this year. And it was so t- terrible. No one went to go see it, and now they're discussing. It's not even a for sure thing. They're discussing making the fourth into a TV movie, which... For one, if they were doing that, that's one thing. But they don't even know if that's going to happen. Shailene Woodley spoke out and said that that's not what I signed up for. I didn't sign up to be on TV. So that might not even happen. They started a franchise based on a book series, and it's so bad they don't even know if they're going to finish it. <laughs> that is awful. That, that's really bad. Yeah, the the whole franchise just feels like it was just cashing in on the Hunger Games completely. And... Like, I didn't even like the books. I gave them a shot. I put them down. I didn't like them. Uh, I thought the movies all sucked, although Insurgent was funny for various reasons. (laughs) (laughs) 
Legion was just bad. Like, no one tried at all. No, they did not. And it was just horrible to look at, too. Like, nothing even looked good. I don't even know, like, how they got the cast back to do that. Contracts. <laughs> I mean, it was just horrible. It, it reminded me, um, X-Men Apocalypse wasn't that bad, but it was in the same vein of everyone just, like, going through the motions and being like, yeah, okay. X-Men Apocalypse is a movie. You will not hear me talk about it on this podcast, uh, except for right now. But that's a movie, the more I think about it, the more I'm trying to tempt myself to go back and watch it. Like, I'm trying to nudge myself. Like, give it another shot, man. Give it another shot. You know you hate the ending, but watch it again and see if you can find something to get out of it. Because I have a hard time believing that, yet again, the third film in an X-Men trilogy is terrible. <laughs> well, it's my sixth worst of the year, by <laughs> Phil, you spoiled it. Oh, oh wait, you're six worst. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, but it might look good on 4K Blu-ray. That's the other. Th- that's the other thing too. The, like the effects weren't even that great in that movie, though. But it's bright and colorful. <laughs> well, <laughs> watch Secret Life of Pets. <laughs> There's no uh, scene with Apocalypse taking a shit. <laughs> All right, let's get into. Uh, we did cover that, right? Yeah, we covered it. Um, okay, let's get into our top ten list. Again, I think we're doing this right. You do you do your bottom five, and then uh, if there's punts, there's punts, and then I'll do my bottom five, and then we'll go back and forth in the top five. Okay. Um, so you're going first to stick with the pattern we've created here? Sure, sure. Okay. All right, so my number 10 is the Netflix documentary 13th. Um, Good choice. It is probably it it should arguably be higher if it was an actual list of best made movies of the year but uh since it's a documentary i wanted to you know include it in the top 10 but not have it outrank you know something that was scripted yeah um it's incredibly important right now um it deals with race relations and how everything got to where it's at as far as mass incarceration um the the state of uh, the police brutality and all that, all that stuff. Um, basically, going back to slavery and what happened after um, the slaves were freed, and how they were immediately wrangled back in by sure. uh, the prison system and so on and so forth. And um, basically, it's it's a lot of if you watch it, you're going to feel a lot of anger and disgust with society and, oh, I was sick to my stomach and man. or yourself I mean it it speaks to everything there um there there is a little bit of hope to it but not a lot uh but I think it's extremely important for everybody to watch it especially as a reality check man like I said I was sick to my stomach watching it I mean f- extremely educational like I, I knew that we had those type of problems going into the documentary but it was so eye-opening and enlightening to me um it is recently nominated as of yesterday or the day before uh nominated for one of the best documentaries at the oscars so um i haven't seen any of the other ones i know a lot of people are talking about the oj one oj made in america i've seen like half of that but uh is that the one that's like seven hours yeah because it's multi-part it's an espn 30 for 30 um I'm yeah I'm hoping that 13th gets some more love and he gives us more of a reason to talk about it again because uh, yeah unfortunately I didn't have that on my list but it's absolutely important and it's, it is just fantastic so right. and, well done Ava DuVernay and um you know just just to mention uh, in case you're a listener that maybe um 
uh, may have political leanings one way or another. It is um, a fairly objective take on it. it. It talks about policies that Democratic presidents have put in that have uh, per, um, mm-hmm. ke- you know, kept the train the, going. The Clintons are under the spotlight just right. as much as Reagan or anybody else. So. Yeah, so it it you know takes shots at who it needs to take shots at. It's not leaning either way. So uh, you can watch it without worrying about being upset about any political statements as well. Well said. All right, so number nine, hell or high water. Uh, punt. Okay. Now. I forgot how this is. Oh, I'll just I'll just say it's my number ten, and then we can both talk about it. Okay, because sure. I'm not punting because it's higher up on my list. So, yeah, it's my number ten. Okay. Um, the reason it's at nine and not any higher than that, um, because it is one of the best made movies of the year. I think. Um, I, I think it should win for. Uh, I believe it's original screenplay. I think it should win for that. It's an extremely well written movie. Written by Sicario's uh, screenwriter, who I'm I'm blanking it's, on right uh, now. T- Taylor Sheridan, is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, it's it's a beautiful looking movie, and it has outstanding performances by the three main characters, um, played by Jeff Bridges, Ben Foster, and Chris Pine. And uh, it's important as well. It, it talks about the struggles of uh, lower lower class versus like the banking system and um it's kind of a modern western uh and there's plenty of good one-liners and uh several several really really solid action scenes like some of the best of the year um especially that bank robbery the bank robbery (laughs) on haywire the hell of an ending too yes great ending to a movie um but overall, I, I don't think it sticks with me quite as much as the rest of, uh, you know, eight through one on my list. Uh, but I mean, it's it's worthy of all the Oscar nominations it did get, in my uh, opinion. I have no problem with the praise that it's getting. I mean, not a lot of movies come out that are made like this anymore. I think that it's slightly overhyped, just because I like you. I don't think I didn't have that extra umph uh for lack of a better word that one thing that like pushes it over for sure crosses a threshold like this this is the movie this movie's absolutely well done the the way i'm speaking about this coincidentally i kind of said it about sicario as well it, it there's nothing wrong with it like i can't pick anything out um everything you just said i echo um for some reason i just i couldn't get it higher um but it did i mean then again it did beat out a ton of other movies that i left off my list so Anyway, yeah, that's my that was my number ten. So um, I do enjoy seeing Chris Pine do other things, only because most people, general audiences, pick him out as Captain Kirk, which is fine. But Chris Pine does not get the credit he deserves as an actor. He's, I agree completely. He's been in so many other dramatic roles, even if it's like a not really a great film. Uh, he was in that random movie Carriers and uh, Z for Zechariah, and uh, he really the finest hours. The finest year. hours, yeah. Um, he really stands out, but also his comedic chops. Um, God, he's so funny in Smoking Aces, and he was in. Uh, he had a cameo in the Wet Hot American Summer series on Netflix. Stretch. He Stretch too. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what did I say? I said Smoking Aces, but yeah. I meant Stretch. He's also in Smoking Aces. Um, he he can pretty much do anything. Um, so yeah, I, I really am glad that that film is still getting recognition, even though it came out in the summer. So good yeah. for it. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, I think 
out of all the the cool shootouts and intensity I, the, one of the best scenes or the best scene in the movie is um a scene with just dialogue between chris pine and jeff bridges yeah. i mean he holds his own with jeff bridges so there's something to be said there definitely and i think any of those three could have been picked for nominations for supporting actor uh, because there's really no set lead but anywho uh, number eight on my list is, which is funny considering the the two prior are better made movies. Uh, number eight is Captain America: Civil War. <laughs> Punt. Okay. Um, and number seven on my list is Kubo and the Two Strings. Not on my list. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I went into this movie with rock bottom expectations. <laughs> <laughs> like, because none of the Leica movies really appealed to me. I intentionally avoided like Coraline and Paranorman and Box Trolls because it just that's because it's like a, those are like a Tim Burton kind of feel though. Yeah, they're they're Tim Burton feeling and the, Box I, Trolls I think was Guillermo del Toro maybe. I think they just look ugly too. Like they they're just I don't really like that animation style. They're, they're not appealing to the eye. Yeah, and then when you add like a, a goth layer or a black and white layer, it's kind of like why do you, I don't want to spend time with this? I don't know. It's I, exactly. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, and uh, I thought Kubo and the Two Strings, the, the trailers for it actually looked pretty interesting. And I saw that uh, McConaughey and uh, uh, Theron were attached to it. Theron. Theron. <laughs> but yeah, uh, since they were voice actors in it and all that, um, I thought it was interesting. Went and saw it by myself and was floored by how good it was. Like Floored? Floored. Uh, it's, it's essentially... Um, a fairly dark story of uh family mixed in with i don't know for sure if it's an actual japanese folktale but it has that feel to it sure everything about it uh which appeals to me too because i just generally like that kind of stuff you've Um, always wanted your own asian family haven't you (laughs) listen one time at walmart you've had your dreams i saw a white gentleman like myself with um an asian wife and two asian children and they look like the happiest people i've ever seen and you wanted that for yourself i totally get it i was like that that's outstanding did you know the voice of did you know the voice of kubo is rick and stark i did yeah i just found that out his finest performance (laughs) he did a great job okay he really did to my the reason why i can't talk about kubo the way you are is because i saw it in 3d 3d has pretty much ruined every single cinema experience i've ever so that's part of it i thought for once the voice acting in an animation movie was not up to par um i thought mcconaughey sounded like he was asleep half the time and it wasn't just like i didn't feel like there was just energy behind it like there's at least there's like enthusiasm with a movie like zootopia or secret life of pets even but i didn't feel like an enthusiasm like i felt like the voices were actually bored and i was like i've never ever thought about this when it comes to an animated movie because obviously we grow up and like all those disney classics and everything and I don't know, man. It just, for some reason, there was a disconnect with the voice acting of it. And then when you're watching the characters, it, it just kind of, it doesn't sound like that big beetle guy supposed to be McConaughey. You know what I mean? There were just, there were a few problems I had with all of that. Um, and, and it just kind of ruined the experience for me. And it didn't, 
everything else, the visuals are incredible. There's no denying it. They're fantastic. I even watched a behind-the-scenes video of how they did it all, and it was arguably one of the you know most impressive things I've ever seen when it comes to filmmaking this year. But just watching it, man, I mean, there were just those things that soured it, and I couldn't give it as much credit as you had. I thought that there were better uh, animated movies this year. So, Well, I mean... Zootopia was very good, um, but I think just there's something special about Kubo um, to me, and just the story in general. And uh, you know, I I completely understand and can realize those problems with it, but they didn't bother me as much. Um, I thought it was just kind of how the characters were, yeah. <laughs> uh, which I, I don't know if that counts as an excuse for it or not, but um, I 100% want to watch it again. Yeah, and I'm not uh, counting it out. And it's it's cool too because it made me want to go back and check other Leica movies out because I've heard they're all pretty good. Uh, I went back and watched Coraline around Halloween and loved it. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's not as good as Kubo, but uh, there's a lot to like about it, um, and it kind of deals with a, a messed up family situation as well. So um, that's I guess that's kind of Leica's thing because that's kind of the premise of Box Trolls too, if I remember right. I have no idea. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's a gorgeous movie, and it's um, it's I, I think it's really impressive storytelling, so that's why it's number seven. Um, number six is 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, see, I forgot our butt rules. It's my, it's, it's my number eight. So, um... Well, we, we can just touch on it when you get there. Okay, let's just, that's my, let's just play. Yeah. So that's the last one in this round. Right. Okay. Uh, my number 10 was Hell or High Water. My number 9 is... <laughs> I took a moment to look at Phil because I can't wait to see his face when I say this. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Wow. <laughs> that far down? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Phil, okay. What you just did, I, that's what everyone's doing right now. Everyone who's listening to this podcast is reacting the same way you are. Don't forget, Phil, what's the title of this podcast? Top 10 Films. Right, so, but so, that's that's up for interpretation. I, I, I didn't have the reaction that I wanted, not just because I thought the movie was bad. I only have a couple of issues with it, really, and they're minor. Um, the characters... I mean, I just, there's not really any standout characters in this movie, and I didn't feel like, but really, okay, honestly, it really just comes out of the main character. I thought some of the supporting characters were more developed than Jen Arso was. I mean, I thought that there was like one quality scene where I sort of understood who Jen was a, a, as a person, and that was with her encounter with a, her, the hologram uh, with a Galen. Oh yeah, and but other than that, I feel like I didn't get any time with Jen at all. Like I thought Cassian was uh, pretty strong. I thought K two S O is pretty strong, but I think it's a problem when you come out of a Star Wars movie and the droid being the highlight, like the standout. Like I like I get it. They're that's great. how it is for George Lucas. They're they're great characters, but it's like I don't want to come out of the Star Wars movie and say K two S O is my favorite character. I obviously want him to be great, but I wanted to come out and want a Jen Erso pop figure or something. You know what I mean? And so I just didn't really connect with the main character. Um, 
I really loved uh, Chirrut and Bays for what they brought to the roles and their sort of dynamic. But the the best part about it was like the locales. Uh, I thought were fantastic. Probably the best uh, settings in any Star Wars movie. I think. Um, I thought that they were great, and that's the one. That's the one strength I think this movie has over the Force Awakens. Because when you think of the locales in The Force Awakens, you're like, well, they were at this pond, and then they were at this <laughs> desert. And it's like, you didn't really... You know what? Now that you mention it, the, I, I don't know that I can name all the planets in Force Awakens. I don't remember the planet Maz is on. Yeah, I got nothing. Um, and Starkiller Base, and then Jakku, but I don't yeah. remember Maz's planet. Um, I thought the locales in Force Awakens looking back on it. I mean, J.J. Abrams had a million things to think about, so I obviously love that movie. And it was like my, it was in my top three of 2015, so obviously love it more than Rogue One. But the one thing Rogue One has over are the locales, I thought, um, and just the world building in general. But it comes down to the characters, and I just didn't think that they were that strong. That's fair. I'll have a rebuttal for that later. But... Oh, I should have punted that. No, no, that's fine. I'll, I'm sorry. Did I'll, you even say punt? No. Um, okay, my bad. I'll have a rebuttal for it later on. All right. I got caught up in it. Sorry. But um, I think that's all I want to say about Rogue One for now. Um, I'm shocked. My number eight is 10 Cloverfield Lane. And also lower than I expected you to have it. Well, the closer, you know how these lists go. The, the higher up we get, the more that all of these are just neck and neck. Like, right. you remember our 2015 list, which was, like, Star Wars, Ex Machina, and Creed? They were all, like... It was, like, a three-way tie, essentially. Yeah. So, when it comes to my list, we're going to get into that. So, you could look at it like 10 Cloverfield Lane is really my number four. Because <laughs> my top movies are all a tie. But, uh, but anyway, 10 Cloverfield Lane, man, uh, you brought it up first. It was your number six. What do you want to say about it? Well, uh, we're both huge fans of Cloverfield. Uh, I followed her along with the viral marketing. So when this appeared out of nowhere, like two months before it was supposed to come out, uh, yeah, I was more excited. Was for it this the Super anything. Bowl? No, I'm trying to think. I, I think the trailer just randomly dropped, and then we yeah. got something more on the Super Bowl. Is that right? Yeah, I think the first one was the teaser with the house, right? I, I don't. So. I don't know. I'm mixing it up. But yeah, um, the point being, uh, I was super excited that this came out of, out of nowhere, and I was excited too that it, it veered away and kind of set up this like anthology series, uh, because really, aside from like certain elements to it, um, it's not a whole lot like its predecessor, but um, it gives you the same mood the same feeling it, it feels like it's in the same world even though it's not um it's just believable that this would be a follow-up to it which i think is incredible not to mention dan trachtenberg did an incredible job first time director yes <laughs> uh and you know we both kind of knew we were in for something special from the opening credits where it cut from car crash to black yeah so and cool back and forth. <laughs> yeah. um and then the whole movie, it's just so intense. Like, every time that door swings open, you're yeah. just like, oh, God. <laughs> and uh, Oh, God. Just the back and forth about whether... Uh, what's actually going on. Yeah. Um, it adds so much to it. And then... There's that layer. There's a layer of, like, what would I do in this situation? Yeah. Do I believe Do I believe that this guy is telling me the truth? Do I believe that something else is going on outside? I mean, th there's a lot... 
there's a lot of really cool genre elements to this movie, obviously, and then it really just kind of goes someplace else when you get to the final act. Yeah, and I mean, not it, to it's mention, just, you've got three really incredible performances, I think. Yeah. Um, People wanted Goodman to be an Oscar nominee and, from this movie. I mean... I'd be okay with that. I think he did incredible. And, you know, for what it's worth, you've got a strong female character, which, uh, you know, a lot of people pine for in movies. Yeah, she was fantastic. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. It is believable, too. So, (laughs) there's just, there's so much to like about it. And it's, it's one of those, like, it's a fairly short movie, but it, it packs a lot of punch, and it's just a fun watch. And... I couldn't have asked for anything better out of a follow-up to a movie I love so much in Cloverfield. I agree, man. I agree. It it, it just kind of got me really excited for the possibilities because, I mean, this could go on forever. We could always have a Cloverfield movie and it could always be something different and it's something that isn't happening in Hollywood, really. Um, so it's just, it's just special. And I hope yeah. that I think there's less mystery involved in the next film. I think God Particle is the next entry in the Cloverfield universe, and there's been announcements for that. And I think the release date was just pushed and everything. So we're not going to always get the special uh, sort of opening the present, if you if you will, uh, to see what we get. But uh, but anyway, I just I would love to have a Cloverfield collection one day of just yeah, like ten yeah. really good movies, you know. Um, and, and so far they're two for two with having a lot of fun so um okay my number seven is captain america civil war all right so so we're ready to talk about that based on your surprise you like rogue one better than civil war correct i that fascinates me because i'll I'll explain why i think civil war is by far the best blockbuster of the year and we talked about again on film beef the the summer movie movies or whatever it never got better this came out at the beginning of may it never got better than this film no it got significantly worse than (laughs) than this film and i think it's hands down the best superhero movie of the year I think you can agree. you can make an, ar- an argument for Deadpool. Deadpool's fantastic, but I think Civil War there was so I think Civil War had more of an opportunity to be bad. I agree it, because they crowded it so much with like so many characters and introducing new ones too and it was living up to like a beloved source material. And Batman v Superman, very similar movie, just poorly executed compared to it so it's like civil war could have been batman v superman um deadpool it i think it was the what was more in question with deadpool i know we're not talking about deadpool but what was more in question was how it would do at the box office i think always based on the trailers always thought this is what deadpool should be but is it going to translate? And I think that's the bigger surprise that it made the money that it made. Not that it was a, a above av- or at least an average film, and we just got lucky, and it turned out to be pretty great. But I mean, when you think about the storyline, it's it's sort of run of the mill. I think there's a lot of tone balancing with that film. But talk about balancing stuff. Civil War, I think, balanced more, and um, just it's it was everything that I wanted. And it lived up to the expectation, and I thought it balanced everything very well. I think you can question how you feel about uh, the villain 
uh, Zemo in the movie, but I kind of I'm honestly willing to let it slide because it provided such a great ending to the film. Um, obviously, great performances, great uh, tonal shift compared to all the other Marvel movies. I mean, th- there's so many accolades that this movie has, um, and yeah, I give it a, a ton of credit. One of the I think the the best cap off to uh, the the Captain America trilogy. Um, and one of the best Marvel movies. So, absolutely. Um, I think if I had to rank the Marvel movies, it'd probably be my second, like neck and neck with Winter Soldier. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I'm echo all the things you said. Um, it's what we deserved as far as an Avengers movie after Age of Ultron, which was just not good. Uh, it, or there's there's p- plenty of people that liked it, but I I don't think you can argue that it it was a disappointment following uh, the first Avengers. Um, Civil War is how Avengers movies should be handled. Um, It brought uh, what seems to be a really, really outstanding Spider-Man into the mix. Yeah. Uh, Black Panther's incredible. Um, What's what's the actor's name? Chadwick Boseman. Yes. Okay. Um, Because of his performance... Um, I'm more excited for Black Panther than almost anything else coming out really? of the MCU. Like him and then Michael B. Jordan and uh, the director of Creed and drawing the Black Ryan Coogler. Yes, Ryan Coogler. I am more excited for Black Panther than I am Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, me too. Um, there's just so much to like about it. And it has such memorable scenes. Uh, like the uh, the airport fight scene the initial chase between uh, Bucky and Black Panther and Cap. It's just yeah. out and the of this ending, world good. Yeah. The ending fight scene. I mean, some people like that even more than the airport scene. Yeah, and, and it's it's dark and it's funny in parts. It's like no one can complain about the, the tone there because there's a good balance. It's just, it's everything that superhero movies should be while still being serious and smart and it tackles topical issues. It right. d- it just does so much. It's it's really a feat that they pulled it off. It, it was one hundred percent the king of the summer, without a doubt. Um, and they're filming Infinity War like right this second. So I pray to God that the Russo brothers uh, stay on this trajectory and keep topping themselves when it comes to Marvel. One um, can only hope. Yeah. Number six is Don't Breathe. <laughs> um, it's. Do we have a punt? No, it's it's actually number 12 on my list. So it's it's way up there for me as well. Don't Breathe is arguably one of the best theater experiences of the entire year. Um, I was kind of blown away by the trailer, but because it's horror and I'm not, you know, always engaged by that type of film, I thought the trailer might be the best thing about this movie. Go into it, praying, fingers crossed that it was going to be good, and it just floored me i came out of that film (laughs) freaking out at how much fun i had i mean i have never been i've been on the edge of my seat before in movies in this movie i was pushing myself back into the seat (laughs) because i was so afraid and the filmmaking was fantastic the the characters i thought did a great job the premise obviously was intriguing i mean the night vision scene oh my god i mean oh my god talk about again i'm not a fan of horror there were probably more I was probably floored by more horror movies this year than ever before in my life. Conjuring 2 didn't make my list, but I loved the experience I had with that. Um there's this movie on Netflix called Hush, which is 
honestly almost exactly like don't breathe um but it was another great horror movie but uh don't breathe for me was uh just an outlier i mean didn't see it coming at all <laughs> i mean who would have <laughs> you know what i mean i mean it's, it's kind of like God. It's kind of like the reaction everyone's having to split. Like, I I didn't expect it to be good. But uh, with Don't Breathe, it's just... You know, I'm I'm not a big fan of watching horror movies in theaters. Because I'm, I'm a big chicken. I'm usually covering my eyes. This one, I was just like... I was like you were. I was on the edge of my seat. Like, <laughs> just loving every it, second it. Of was it was relentless. Just yeah. punch in the gut. Punch in the gut. Great, continuous shots. I mean... Yep. Phew. Stephen Lang was scary as hell. Yes, he was, and he barely said anything at all. I know, and he was just terrifying. He he was this movie's version of the Ten Cloverfield Lane metal door. Yeah, <laughs> like for some reason, there's just a gut reaction every time you see him pop up in that. Film. Oh my god, that movie's nuts. Yeah, I mean after after I got out of the theater, I was like top three, top three <laughs> of the year. I had it a lot higher earlier in the year, but yeah, yeah it slipped a little bit. So good. All right, that was my number six. So we'll go one by one, uh, five to one from here on out, unless we punt. Phil, what is your number five movie of the year? Number five is Arrival. Punt. Okay. Uh, so I guess it's your number five now. My number five is La La Land. Punt. Okay. <laughs> number four, The Witch. Uh, go ahead. It's not on my list. All right, so yeah, this was this was the best horror movie experience for me this year. I actually did not see it in theaters, and thank God for that because it had the same problems Mad Max Fury Road did with dialogue, um, <laughs> a lot of grunting. God help whoever saw that in theaters. You saw it in theaters, didn't you? Mad Max, uh, The Witch. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. God help the people that saw that without subtitles because um, Robert Eggers, who uh, wrote and directed it he he really stuck to uh the language of the time yeah. and this was ye old like puritan new england um and uh, they spoke like that and it sometimes it was very hard to understand it especially since uh they had one of the uh the greyjoy lackeys from game of thrones as the father uh with a super deep voice yeah. and you, you couldn't hardly understand i know him. that reference because i watch game of thrones now there you go both parents were from game of thrones you're right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. She's Catelyn's uh, sister. Catelyn's sister, yep. yeah. Yeah, so, and they, like, everyone involved did really outstanding. Uh, the twins were terrifying. Um, <laughs> hey, I think the phenomenon, though, is Black Phillip. Yes. The uh, goat. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's what we all want to talk about. That's true. Um, Hell of a performance. I'll just say, uh, what I like so much about this movie was... Um, one how it looked um everything was so depressing and had a blue tint to it and it just felt like out in the wilderness like it should it was like transformative it, too i yeah a feeling of isolation i mean yes. they captured that very well and uh, one of the most impressive things which I, I caught on to as i was watching it never really had any jump scares but it always made you feel like one was coming like it lingered just long enough on every shot to freak you out and have you like oh my god what's gonna happen and then nothing yeah and then you're like okay and then the next scene starts and the same kind of thing and like the supernatural elements to it are really great because they're used uh sparingly um so there's this constant gloom and doom feel to it just like out on the edge of the woods 
but you don't really I don't know there's not stuff popping out there's not like ghosts spooking around scaring people <laughs> like it's just a really smart movie and it's it's really reserved with how it's presented um and of course the ending is outstanding and the whole thing just made me it made me feel really weird and like just kind of upset by what I saw so this, uh, it, it was really impressive Robert Eggers it's, did an incredible job I didn't want to bring it up when I was uh, naming off impressive horror movies this year because I knew you probably had it on your list uh, this this movie is not far from my top 10 it's really not um, I thought the theater experience was great I mean like, like I said the feeling of isolation and uh, all of that was just really thrilling I thought the, the direction and the acting was fantastic I didn't respond to the ending um, really, I, I don't really care for it. I think that's the only part I really don't like about it. Um, there was slight confusion involved a little bit, but I just, I just didn't like it. Subtitles, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think if these other movies, and I'm about to get to another one, didn't come out, I probably would have it on my list. But, uh, but yeah, I feel like I'm missing something. I, I had a point that I wanted to bring up about this movie. I totally forgot. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, but great film, great year for horror, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so where are we at? My number four. Yes. Green Room. This, this uh, I still haven't seen it, so this, go ahead. This is the movie that, if it wasn't on my list, The Witch might have came in. Green Room was awesome. Um, I think our boy Michael Denniston from War Machine vs. War Horse was the one that hyped it up for me. Uh, yep. This was one of Anton Yelchin's last films. Um and Patrick Stewart plays a neo-Nazi leader, which was pretty much the only thing I needed to hear to get. <laughs> um, th- there was a lot of cool things about this. Um, I, uh, music was another thing that kind of triumphed this year in film, and this is the 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 blend of music and horror. Uh, it's about uh, this this uh, underground like indie band uh, metal band. Uh, punk band i guess is a better word uh touring and they get caught up in this extraordinary situation uh when they're playing a show so i appreciate all of those elements to it but the just again the isolation the feeling like these characters can't be helped uh it's about survival it's well acted it just got me in the gut i mean i I was sick to my stomach in parts um it, it was just a huge surprise and this came out came out around the time for me when we had those movies like triple nine and midnight special right like all yeah. these smaller movies that were coming out right before the summer i thought were i was going to be impressed by all of them um and unfortunately this was the one that stuck with me uh out of those three examples so it, if you have not seen green room you you really need to watch it I, I wish more people were talking about it right now. Um, I haven't really seen it on that many top ten lists, uh, which is really unfortunate. So, well, it um, definitely flew under the radar quite a bit. Oh, I, it did. It did definitely. Uh, I think it got some buzz because of Anton Yelchin, of course. But uh, I think you'll have a little bit of problem with it just because of the gore. But I would still urge you to see it as soon as possible. Okay, and just be ready Deal. to cover your eyes. I feel like it's kind of in the same ballpark as like Sing Street, where it's a movie that flew under the radar until people were exposed to it, and then they're like, "Oh man, I love this movie." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Green Room is Sing Street meets Don't Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, really? Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good way to put it. Wow. So, actually, that's a hell of a good way to put it. 
Those are two pretty good movies. It, so. it, Green Room is a hybrid <laughs> of Don't Breathe and Sing Street. And you just have to take my word for it. Um, okay, what's your number three? My number three is Rogue One. What's your What's your defense? Okay, so here's my defense. What you said is not incorrect. Uh, Jen is not really important. In fact, uh, the only... I mean, I, I feel like Cassian and uh, Chirrut and Baze and uh, the droid also. K- K2SO. Yeah, I, I always mix the two and the S up. But anyway, they really stood out to me, and I like them a lot, and I think they're really memorable. Um, unfortunately, Riz Ahmed's, Ahmed's character is not really in it enough for me to like latch on to him. And Jen just... It's kind of just a vessel for the story to move forward, unfortunately. Um, with that being said, uh, these are supposed to be basically nameless casualties along the way, right? To an end goal? <laughs> um, um, you're not supposed to be under that impression. And, that's, that's fair. And it would hit you harder if you cared more about the characters. That's also fair. Um, what I will say is I think... The reason why I have this movie so high is because I think it adds so much to the Star Wars franchise. Sure. So much. Because it's actually a really good connective tissue between all the other pieces that have felt divided. Like, the prequel trilogy feels way different than the original trilogy, which both of them combined feel way more different than the cartoon shows. Yet this movie sticks right in the middle and kind of binds them all together. Because you have you have elements from all of them. You have little Easter eggs from Rebels and Clone Wars. Um, You've got uh, Bail Organa running around and uh, Mon Mothma. Yeah, (laughs) I feel like I'm saying the no. You got Mothra from (laughs) Mothra. (laughs) Yeah, from Godzilla. Yeah, Uh, so giant moth monster. You've you've got those from the prequels, um, and then of course you've got um, you know the the characters from the original trilogy as well making appearances, and I just think it all it all just works so well as a as a binding agent to okay. it, and the, the importance of that. But I did think, you think Orson was that great of a villain? He was sort of just a vessel too. He was just in the first g- scene. He was good. He was just for what it's worth. Yeah, that's it, okay. So I read the, the the companion novel called Catalyst that came out, and I thought the story in that was even more intriguing. Uh, it wouldn't have made a better movie. I think Rogue One is the better movie, but I was more intrigued by the characters in that story. Um, again, it's very rich in building the Star Wars universe, like you said. So um, I think that it has a lot of the same stuff from the movie, like uh, expanded knowledge of like kyber crystals and stuff. The book did it better, and the, I thought the movie, for people who didn't read the book, did not fill in gaps as well as they could have. I thought that uh, the Orson and Galen relationship was only somewhat intriguing to me because I had read the book. So I can't imagine what... I mean, you might have thought it was fine, but I can't imagine having gone into that movie without reading the book because I don't think I would have really understood or grasped or cared about Orson and Galen's relationship because that was just barely touched on, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's passable. Um, I don't think it's outstanding or anything. I, I, I didn't think any of the characters were particularly outstanding. I just... I really enjoyed 
I'm just uh, surprised you think Rogue One is so much better than Civil War. Uh, it's <laughs> it's because of the in between movies. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I th- I think Rogue One is just something special. Um, and like I said, add so much and just I think visually it's really impressive too. Um, just everything about it, especially the first scene, like that really sticks out to me with the way everything looks. Uh, it's just a, a different dive into star Wars. Yeah. Um, it was, a, it was a success when it comes yeah. to anthology films. I mean, there's no question. I, I mean, it's, it's still, I'm not, I'm talking like I didn't like the movie and that's not the case. Yeah. I mean, I'm not denying it has major problem. It, it does. Uh, if you're not a star Wars fan, I'm not sure that you would necessarily love it. Um, there's the, like the first 30, 40 minutes or whatever, pretty slow and it's disjointed, uh, because they're trying to establish all these characters in one movie Yeah, and it's, it's hard to do. Um, civil war did that better, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's, it's purely because I'm a fanboy that it's so high. Gotcha. I, I'll admit that. Um, <laughs> Keeping on uh, track with war movies, my number three is Hacksaw Ridge. I've still not seen it. This movie is insanely incredible, and the theater experience was one I'll probably never forget. Um, Glad I missed it in theaters, then. <laughs> <laughs> you missed out, dude. I came out of that movie and just bawled my eyes out, and... It was so overwhelming because I think it's very well done. The first half of the movie is basically about how, um, you know the story about a gentleman who felt the need to serve in World War II but was against violence, against using a gun. He's a conscientious, conscientious objector, I yes. think is the term and for so he's trying to go in and uh, do his part, and he wants to contribute just on his own terms and under insanely courageous terms like it's insane that he did what he did and it's even crazier to know that this is a real life based on a real life story but it's it's a little it's a different movie i think at the beginning it's about sort of building his case and about his life and his background in the first half and then the second half is a war film and it's on par with things that you saw in saving private ryan like both halves of the movie are so well done and when you hear more about the story, the reason why it upset me so much is I have never felt worse about myself in my life. Because <laughs> the things that this person did, not not just thought about doing, the things that this person did, I have never even come close with a thought to do the things that he's done in his life. I mean, the ways that this man was selfless and just, he did things that I will never, ever, ever ever come close to accomplishing in my life and i felt so bad about that and the movie just moved me so much that it's it's something i will never forget it was it was just crazy and raw and there were moments where like uh similar to saving private ryan you see things and those acts of war and they just make you kind of like jump a little bit and uh it was nuts it's it's such a good movie, and Andrew Garfield did phenomenal in it. So, so would would you say it's one of your favorite war movies ever? Um, would you go that far? It's up there. I mean, for me, Saving Private Ryan, I think is it, the it, the top one. It just depends. I mean, I'd have to look at it a little bit more, but because honestly, the only half of this is what I would consider a war film. 
Um, well, maybe that's silly to say. You you just have to watch it to sort of understand what I get. I do think that there are like kind of two movies in one, but I thought it was done so well. So, um, shout out to Vince Vaughn, by the way. <laughs> um, and you actually made uh, what's the guy that's in Point Break? Luke Bracy or whatever that guy's name is. Oh, the new one. Yeah, yeah. He he was passable as an actor, which is uh, good for pro- him. Props to him. So yeah. Um. But anyway, Hacksaw Ridge. I could not recommend that movie more. Gotcha. Uh, what are we on? Number two. Yeah, you're number two. Number two, Moonlight. This I I wanted to preface this entire list. There are this list shows how many movies I actually missed this year. I pretty much have not seen any Oscar nominated for Best Picture. Only like two <laughs> of the nine. Um, this was the one that I am most upset that I got to miss, and I cannot wait to hear you tell me about it. Okay. Um. Yeah, I, I caught it at the theater the next town over that usually, they only show two movies at a time. Usually they show Oscar noms, more uh, artsy things, things that the bigger theaters don't typically have. But anyway, um, Moonlight's a really important movie, too. Um, it shows the perspective uh, from um, a black guy uh, in the ghetto um, in Miami, I believe is where it's set. It's a three-part story. So you've got three different actors uh, playing Chiron. And uh, so it shows him when he's like eight, shows him when he's 17-ish, and then when he's a full-blown adult. And what's interesting about it is it it shows like how that kind of lifestyle and poverty traps you in and you just circle the drain and it, it's a vicious cycle wow um there's another element to his character that i'm not sure is in the trailers and i don't really want to discuss here because I, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not uh but it, it's, I it's a, i don't think it is are you I, i'm gonna ruin it for you since okay. you're afraid but is it because he's homosexual yes okay, okay. so that's that's another element that's um, something i've just heard about in yeah. passing so which to me I didn't know that was coming so it, it was shocking gotcha um, and th- I mean, that's it's a big not, part it's of it, not right? like a giant reveal or anything but it, yeah it's it's something he struggles with along yeah. the way um, and I, I think that adds a lot to it because you're dealing with a perspective that's not shown a lot um, you know the, the poor uh, minority but to add things to that he's in uh, a part of society that doesn't look very fondly on homosexuals at right. all um, so he's dealing with that as well. So it's all about this guy trying to find his place in the world and trying to make sense of things without really ever having um, anyone to guide him along the way. And I, I think each of the three parts are super strong uh, for different reasons. Um, and I, I'm going to butcher his name probably, but Mahershala Ali. Mahershala. Mahershala. Mahershala Ali. All yeah. right. Uh, he's really good in this. And even when he's not on screen, you can just feel his presence being in the movie. Um, Interesting. Because of his role uh, and who he is to Chiron. And uh, it's like I I left the movie and it was hard for me to put into words how I felt about it initially. And all I could think was this feels important. (laughs) <laughs> I, I really did like that's that's what i said and like uh, you got the most out of this movie yeah i got i got a lot out of it and um 
not to mention it's incredibly well made. Like the the transitions between the the three stories and uh, the certain certain things that the camera does uh, is pretty impressive as well. Um, so just overall, I think it's uh, a really outstanding movie. I'm excited to see it. it. It's really pissing me off that I can't find it anywhere. I don't know when it's going to be released. They, on, had, a, they had another brief run at the uh, theater. And I'm sure they did. Just probably another thing that I missed, of course, because there's been a million things that I've missed, right. unfortunately. But um, I cannot wait to see it when it comes out. Even I don't even do this anymore. But even the torrents have failed me. I can't find a torrent of it anywhere. What it the sucks. hell? Yeah, I don't know. It sucks. Um, but anyway, I can't wait to see it when I finally get to, um, cause I'm sh- I'm sure that it would have made an impression on me as well and probably cracked my list, but unfortunately it did not. And my number two movie is Sing Street. Wow. You got that super high. It's, it's, uh, actually 18 on my list. Sing Street was, I think the better film centered around music. When you talk about La La Land, which we will talk about in just a minute. We but will. That's why it's higher for me than La La Land. Um, the music side of it, um, I think, is is, is better. Um, the um, the coming of age, I mean, that's something I'm a sucker for, coming of age films. I really, really connected to this film because, uh, I, as you know, I was in a band. And watching these kids uh, come up with... They made a lot of jokes about it, too. Come up with the type of music that they were going to play. They nailed it. I mean, the way that they portray being a band is exactly the way that it's like being in a you know high school garage band. They killed it. Um, and But, uh, you know, factor that into the young love and the coming-of-age stuff, and it just kind of had everything that I love about it. I think the soundtrack is fantastic. Um, I've had a lot of fun actually listening to that. It on is. It's a, it's a travesty that it's not nominated for original song. Drive it like you stole it. That yes. song is good as hell. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, man. And just there's some other things too. Like I, I was in a Catholic school uh, growing up, so I, I'm obviously not Scottish or Irish, whatever they are. Um, but I, I love <laughs> his. Bear be careful. You're gonna piss somebody off. Uh, it's I loved, Irish. I loved his relationship with his older brother and the fact that they were listening to music and it was sort of like a time capsule as well. I mean, just, there's just nothing I can say about this that's bad. I mean, it's just it was just such a fun movie to watch, and uh, yeah. But I, I mean, like I said earlier before, I mean, all of these are sort of neck and neck. So I'm not saying that. I'm not saying fuck La La Land. I mean, it's it's <laughs> that's not the case at all. And I cannot wait to talk about La La Land when we get to that for you. But um, it's it's sort of just an amalgamation of everything I'm love, and it just it, it just killed it. So see, I, I'm sure it spoke more to you. I don't really have anything bad to say about it. Like I, I enjoyed uh, the main character quite a bit. I, I enjoyed his um, I don't know John Cusack looking. Uh, bandmate, guitarist, bassist, whatever that guy's <laughs> name is, and his brother. Like the dynamic there was great. And as it was well. funny. Yeah, it was one of the funniest movies that I saw. It was really funny. So um, my main problem is I just wanted more from everything. I wanted it to dive a little deeper into everything. Um, okay. Like I thought the scene on the stairs when uh, his brother is talking about uh, their mom and about mm-hmm. how like she wants to get away from here and can't and she's just kind of stuck she wanted to get away from Baelish <laughs> yeah from from Peter Baelish which is understandable uh, 
But no, uh, like that kind of scene where it deals more with the emotional side of things. I think some of that's just kind of glossed over. I know a lot of it goes directly into his music. Uh, or like the reason why he's in a band. I right. think that's part of it as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I just wanted more from all that. I wanted more with his relationship with... Um, young john cusack as well okay uh, otherwise great movie like it was, it was fun to watch is pretty short the music was good i mean there's yeah. nothing really to nothing bad to say about it yeah is it, and this is sort of the pattern with my top five in general like if someone asked me what are the what are the must-see movies like my bottom five might be like the more of my favorite like popcorn movies the movies that i think everybody sort of responded to but my top five and how i arrived to it uh pun intended uh, <laughs> i uh i wanted if someone asked me give me the five movies that i might not have seen that you need me to see and sing street is definitely up there definitely up there so that's why it is my uh my number two all um right. so uh number ones i, I know Here what your go. number one is i know what yours is as well <laughs> Um, La La Land. Yeah. And I'm not just doing this for Oscar reasons. It was just such a fun movie theater experience. And, like, I expected to hate this. I really did. <laughs> uh, I went into it thinking, you know, I don't really care for musicals. The only one... There's only... Uh, like, I can stomach Chicago. I think it's all right. Um, and Les Miserables is fantastic but like otherwise i don't care about musicals i really don't uh the first five minutes of this i wondered if i was in the wrong theater i was like what the hell is happening (laughs) and i also thought that every line of dialogue in the movie was about to be uh sang and so i was scared (laughs) Uh, why did you think that at about the beginning i'm curious because i know it doesn't really prominently feature the main two characters but it opens with an opening dance number. So what made you think that you were in, a, in the wrong movie? Because, like, there was no... There was some dialogue, but it was, um, I guess, in the song. But it it also seemed like one of those musicals that was just going to sing everything. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Les Mis does do that. Yeah. Um, which they pulled it off, which is incredible. But anyway... Um, yeah, the the story at face value when I've explained this to people, it's it's pretty generic. <laughs> sure, um, it is. With that being said, I think all the songs are really really good, and um, I actually like I left the theater and turned on the soundtrack and listened to it on the way home. <laughs> we can it, start a fire. Yeah. The John Legend song is incredible. In I know. I, I got so hyped in the theater. But but it's not only that. It's the filmmaking, too. Yeah. Uh, with Damien Chazelle. Um, Who killed it with Whiplash, yes. and we both love that. He wrote part of 10 Cloverfield Lane, so his track record is insane. Yeah, and of course, like, Ron Gosling and Emma Stone's just kind of cheating when it comes to movie chemistry <laughs> together. <laughs> Even though I don't care for their previous two outings. Um, I mean... Yeah, they just, they're believable uh, in their roles. And uh, even though it is, you know, struggling actress trying to make it in Hollywood and struggling musician wanting to own his own jazz club, there's there's a lot to it. And you really uh, buy into their story and feel for them and all that. And you, even though uh, it's a fairly happy movie, there's still 
some real substance there. Um, and the epilogue, which I will not spoil, uh, is just God. a masterstroke of genius. Like I was blown away. Like yeah. <laughs> I was getting tears in my eyes, and like even when I listened to that song on the soundtrack, I'm like, oh man, it's nuts. <laughs> it's incredible. It it really is, and um, it's kind of like with Whiplash. Like you're like, okay, oh, I like this movie a whole lot, and then the ending hits, and you're like, holy crap! This movie. <laughs> it's it's the same kind of thing. Um, I I don't necessarily think either of the leads deserve like they deserve nominations but maybe not to win it uh but i feel like for best picture and best director this should be a lock (laughs) i don't think there's a question in my mind uh it's it's just something and there's something for everybody too um there's the you know the musical aspects for those that love it there's you know romantic parts as well drama there's all kinds of stuff um i think it appeals to everybody and it's it's a fun watch. It was definitely worth going to the theater to see for the music. So, yeah. We we pretty much have identical feelings, so I'm not just going to repeat everything you just said. But at Christmas Eve, my cousin saw this film in New York City, and he said that, he told me, he said, that was probably one of the best theater experiences I've ever had in my life. And I was already excited for the film based on Damien Chazelle and based on the actors and the fact that there was so much buzz around it. But that right there uh, solidified it. And I knew that I had to see this movie. And to think about the feat, a personal feat, we don't care about musicals, really. I like music, but I don't want I don't like musicals. Like the thing about the thing that I think works in La La Land is that I, I wouldn't even call it a musical. I wouldn't because I wouldn't call Sing Street a musical, and I think that they do the same thing. They just put music within the story. The, a musical is, like you said, Les Miserables is a is a musical because they just sing everything, and there's that suspension of disbelief where they aren't actually in our reality. They're in a musical reality, right? Right. But right. that's not the case in La La Land, at least in my opinion. That's not the case in Sing Street. Um, but the, the feat that it took to make, I I mean, this could have just, it could have been a nightmare for me Yeah, sitting through this and the fact that I could not look away from it. The charisma, you love the word charisma. I love charisma. Yeah. The charisma just, oh my God was in your face. The entire movie. I mean, the, like I said, I just couldn't take my eyes off it. The music was fantastic. I think, I think the music at Sing Street is slightly better. Um, probably because there's more to it. When you look at the La La Land soundtrack, there's only like four songs. Yeah, there's but like, I, I there's think, like five versions of City of Stars. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the City of Stars though should definitely be nominated for original song, which it yeah, is, yeah, yeah. and so is the audition uh, song by Emma Stone. So yeah. they've got two in there, and I, I mean, I think it's deserving. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't go and listen to soundtracks like that. Right. <laughs> so that says a lot about it. The uh, the, the storyline, for the most part, you know, we've seen it, like you said. And the, the opening five minutes had me worried, dude. The opening yeah. five minutes, I was like, oh, my God, I don't think I can take it. Yeah, I turned to Becca and I said, I'm going to hate this. And, and it was over and done with. And and that's the only time that I really had any uh, any worry at all about the film. So it obviously worked out. I cannot wait to watch it again. Oh, yeah. me <laughs> cannot me wait. There'll be one I buy on Blu-ray. There you go. Yeah. All right. So I know what your number one is, but let's talk about it because I had to punt it. 
What was it on your list? We're talking about Arrival. Five on my list. Okay. I'm looking at the best picture noms. For one, this has the advantage because it's like one of the nine that I've seen. Or I think it's one (laughs) of three that I've seen. But Arrival for me, every year we get this science fiction film in the fall. Hell yes. It was Gravity. It was The Martian. It was Interstellar. And now it's this. And this type of film, hopefully they keep coming, by the way. This type of film I'm always going to be excited for. The fact that... um, it had an engaging premise. The fact that the cinematography was gorgeous. The fact that you have Denis Villeneuve directing it, which he's he's the next Christopher Nolan, without a doubt. I mean, this okay, guy yeah. this guy has killed it. Um, every movie I thought he, all of his movies were fantastic. I, I liked Enemy okay. I didn't think it was fantastic, but it's not a bad movie by any means. It's a I weird just, movie. I just yeah. don't think it was really for me. But he knocks it out of the park and. Amy Adams is one of my favorite actresses. I mean, this all had me written all over it. I'm watching this film, and I think it pretty much just fires on all cylinders. I think it's uh, beautifully paced, beautifully acted. Um, I loved pretty much everything about it. The concept, the execution of that concept. I mean, it was it was just kind of new to me. Even even though it had the formula, it had so many things that I liked, it was also new in that way. And that's sort of what it accomplishes pretty much over every other movie uh, for me. Like, you know, with Rogue One, I like other Star Wars movies better. Um, something like Hacksaw Ridge. Well, it has a lot of those Saving Private Ryan elements. Um, I guess you could argue that this is similar to Interstellar in a way, but... No, I, I mean, I think this is a unique sci-fi experience. Yeah. Because it, it's... For a movie about a bunch of, like, things showing up all across the world, it's very small. Like, the movie the movie is very small. It's very yeah. reserved. It's very quiet. Um, but it doesn't even feel like it. No. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's that small. It absolutely is. But the the only regret that I have, the only negative mark that I have, I think, is on me. Is I walked out of the theater, and I wasn't even really sure what happened. And I, and I hate it. I mean, that's how I felt about Interstellar. I kind of walked out of the theater like, what? And I just felt stupid. The arrival made me feel stupid because I didn't know when it ended. I knew that it was very emotional. It's very emotional when you see it, how it ends. But part of me was like, I'm not exactly sure if I followed it correctly. And once I talked it out more a little bit, it, it just really sucked. Uh, that I didn't grasp it at the time because I think that would have made for an even better theater experience. But when I just think about what I think was, uh, you know, everything that I wanted plus what I think was the most well-made film, uh, this is sort of the answer to that. And uh, I, like I said, talk about movies that you can't wait to watch again. I can't wait to watch Arrival again. Hopefully I understand it this time around. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it it is something. And um Probably my second favorite Denis Villeneuve film uh, behind Prisoners. Um, And out of the four science fiction movies that I named, I think it's probably number one or two. Mm. So uh, I would probably put it up there. uh, It's between this and Interstellar. And if I am thinking about it correctly, I think I like this more. So anyway, this this was just I loved it. Yeah, me too. Um, For me, uh, it it took me a while for me to really realize what was going on. But when it did, it hit me in the middle of the movie. And I was like, oh, 
oh, that's what's <laughs> happening. And like the, the particular scene, there's just some dialogue going on, and it, it really sunk in. And uh, man, it was it was incredible. And the the whole time, it's just it didn't make me uneasy, but I was just kind of like nervous about like what was going to happen next yeah. like every time they go into the ship like there's uh, there was always that concern Cause there's and this is to the credit of the film you're not really privy to the fact that this is a science fiction film based on like relation like uh, international relations it's about language right. and it's like you expect at any minute the uh, the aliens are going to turn on us and more are going to come from the sky and then shit's going to go down yeah that never happens. No. It doesn't. And <laughs> the fact that it has this extra, uh, it's already a pretty high concept, but then it tops itself to an even higher concept once you get to the end. I mean, it's impressive. The execution behind this, I mean, I think they just nailed it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we talked about it with uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane talking about what you would do in this situation. Uh, I think that applies, like, quadruple here. Um, it's... <laughs> You know, what would you do if you uh, went to class one day or went to work and then you left work and found out on the news there were just alien things just hovering above places not doing anything? Like, yeah. how do you react to that? Right. And then, like, you know, all, all the other stuff that it touches on, I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but, like, you know, there's a couple scenes that really stick with me um, today, even. Uh, like, when she's leaving the campus. And, like, a jet flies overhead and yeah. a car crashes into another one. It's just, like, just feels realistic. Like, it like feels like it actually happened. And yeah. um, I liked uh, just it, the whole thing was just beautifully shot. And um, the, the little artsy touches, I think, actually worked pretty well in this. Uh, usually I hate that kind of thing. But, like... <laughs> you mean, like... Um... Like, the jumping back and forth between, like, touching moments between her and her daughter. Okay. Like, that, that kind of stuff. Right. Like, where it, it's there for emotional content. Um, it actually, you know, I think pays off given the the rest of the movie. My favorite shot is the helicopter shot the first time you're arriving at the uh the the ship site and oh, yeah. the fog is creeping over the mountains and that shot is so long. Yeah. It takes forever, but I I couldn't take my eyes off of it. It's just the helicopter arriving at the base and uh that was one of my favorite shots and uh very memorable film. For sure. Uh, and very unique. It's visual language and it's visual rhetoric no no pun intended. But the, just the the visual of it and the, it's sort of reimaginative and it was it didn't feel like any other invasion movie, which it easily no. could have been. Sort of like La La Land could have just been another musical. It has its own identity as well, at contributing to uh, all of the other movies in this space. So, yeah, and I mean it's it's in a genre that um, is uh, used pretty frequently, um, yet it's completely unique. Um, I mean, there's there's a couple things that may remind you briefly of mm -hmm. other movies, but it, it never feels like it's copying off or or borrowing from anything else. It just feels new, and um, yeah, it's a really good movie for sure. Um, how do you feel about the entire year so far, though? Like it, a little bit. Part of me was looking at my list and like, well, I don't even really know if I actually like that this is on my top ten list. 
and I don't know what that says about the year in general, but do you feel good about your list? Like, was it easy to make? I think that after about, oh, I don't know, about 15 of the movies I saw this year, there's a significant drop-off in quality. Um, I don't think it was that great of a year for movies, but the ones that made the top 10 are just really good. <laughs> um, and that might be obvious, but I, I feel like they're movies that, um, you know, maybe in other years, like Hell or High Water or Kubo might have not even gotten close to a top 10. Right. But like, I don't know. I, there were things like Manchester by the Sea and Deadpool and like even Jungle Book that I like. <laughs> that group of movies is hilarious. That I, that I liked a whole lot. But after that, I mean, it gets pretty bad pretty quick. I, I made a list of like 25 candidates mm-hmm. and it's like, the, like you said, the quantity after you get like to tw- 10, it just drops. Um, the only movie that I wish I could have fit in was Eddie the Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's really good. Um, it's well, a lot of fun. I, I'll tell you this out of 45 movies, I saw 45 new movies in 2016. Yeah. I'd say that I like or love 22 of the 45 do you remember what my like number two most anticipated of this movie or year was what was it jason Bourne. oh nowhere yeah. near my list that movie sucked <laughs> nowhere near it um but yeah overall i mean the the ones like my top i would say my top six are just like really 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 good movies and yeah. then the rest of the year is just kind of underwhelming let's uh let's end it and just go ahead and run from 10 to 1 through your list one more time okay uh from 10 to 1 13th hell or high water captain america civil war kubo and the two strings 10 cloverfield lane arrival the witch rogue one moonlight and la la land awesome mine is hell or high water rogue one 10 cloverfield lane captain america civil war don't breathe la la land green room Hexall Ridge, Sing Street, and Arrival. And that's it. That was a good list. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Um, Phil, that's gonna that's gonna do it here. Are we gonna review some more movies in twenty seventeen? Let's do it. Now that you don't have school and stuff anymore? <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> well I, I, I was gonna say I still have to work, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean yeah. I I still work too, but it's a little bit easier, I think. Yeah. Um, sure. So, yeah, we will be bringing more uh, movie content to Sight and Sound uh, this coming year. At least I hope so. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Phil. Where can the people find you, if anywhere? On Twitter, I'm at PhillyCheese70. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I also use uh, Letterboxd.com. There you go. Um, that's L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D.com slash uh film be phil that's my profile on there and uh usually when i see a movie i write a, a miniature review i make lists on there and stuff i encourage anyone that likes movies to make an account on there and kind of play around with it because it is a lot of fun especially you know if you're bored you can you can do a lot with it so. and you make a lot of lists and stuff too i do right i love it yeah that's actually how i kept up with my 
list for the year. Uh, just as I saw it, I would add it to the list and then move it up or down uh, oh. as time went on. Interesting. I, I need to spend some more time on that site, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at WhatUpSnell. Make sure that you're following Sight and Sound on Twitter as well at SightSoundPod. And all of these podcasts can be found on iTunes, your favorite podcast app, SoundCloud, and youtube channel so make sure you're subscribing to all of those things to stay caught up in all of our content thank you so much interesting year in movies for 2016 i'm hoping and thinking that 2017 will be even better and Fingers we will crossed. do it exactly and we will do it all over again thank you so much guys